Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to episode 9 of the Average Trilly podcast. I'm your host, Chris Lowe, and today I'm joined by Michael Main. So I've invited Mike on the show today to really pick his brains about how athletes from a variety of sports can really best train during lockdown, given uh, they have minimal equipment, as what should they be doing and what should they be focusing on. And then we also chat about how athletes can best return to sports. So Mike has an absolutely huge amount of knowledge and experience within professional sports, work with a variety of athletes. You know, he's the he started off as a SC coach at Country Football Academy before moving into roles with English cricket and English basketball. He then uh, moved away to work with Hampshire Cricket as head SNC and sports science medicine lead. And um, he's also been a head SNC at Sri Lanka Cricket, uh, physical performance lead at Cricket New South Wales and the performance coordinator at minor league performance department at the New York Mets. And I've had the pleasure to work with Mike for the last season at Wasp Academy as he's the head of SNC there. So now Mike has a huge amount of uh, knowledge and experience and I thought he'd be a fantastic person to get on the podcast today to talk to you about lockdown training and returning to sport. So without further ado, let's get into today's show. Right, Mike, thank you very much for joining me today on today's episode of the Average Trilly podcast. Um, absolute pleasure to have you on board. Losey, thanks very much for having me. I'm, uh, I'm excited to chat and catch up. No, I've been really good. So we've got a very topical conversation today. And as we record this, we're in the sort of COVID pandemic still, and there's still huge restrictions on training, access to gyms, facilities, and so on. And I know a lot of athletes I've spoken to have had their whole training flipped on their head and so on. So what we're looking at today really is essentially how to maintain or even improve uh, fitness and strength and so on uh, during lockdown and essentially how we can best, re- best prepare to return to sport after. So kind of just to set the scene and just get a little bit of sort of background here. Um, what do you say are the main concerns for athletes during lockdown in terms of their overall athletic development? Is there any sort of concerns or issues you have for them? Yeah, I, I think in general, it, it's just the whole concept of all of a sudden being taken out of your, you know, your normal training environment and then having to fend for yourself, right? Like um, a lot of athletes have coaches and SNC coaches and physios. And although I think a lot of us try and make athletes as autonomous as, po- uh, as possible, you know, the reality now is, is you're in your own situation and you're the kind of master of your own destiny. So um, it's certainly a new, unique period of time from that. And, um, you know, everything that comes along with that in terms of um, what equipment they have available, um, you know, what kind of structure they're going to follow, what sport they're playing, they're all different variables and considerations that are going to affect, you know, what they may or may not end up doing during this period of time. So um, it, it's very much individual, but at the same time, everyone's, yeah, everyone's going through a, a somewhat similar period of time. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think that's the main thing you hit, hit on the head there is really like the autonomy the athlete needs to have. And I know we try and build it through like the S&C and nutrition perspective. Like, you know, uh, we don't necessarily want to be holding their hands for the next sort of five, six years down the line. We want to teach them what to do. And this is a prime opportunity for them to actually be, yeah, or be self-sufficient and have autonomy of their plan of action. Um, so in terms of like uh, when this whole lockdown sort of really kicked off, what kind of went through your head? Or was it like a, oh shit, what are we going to do? Uh, what was the kind of like the, the needs analysis you did for it? You know, it, I think every club and probably every organisation um, was probably in a slightly different situation when it did kind of shut down and everyone was sent home and, you know, my initial thoughts were, you know, how long is this going to last? And, you know, what, what do we actually need to think about doing here? And, you know, I, I probably think initially no one realised how big an impact um, and, and how long a period of time this might have went on for. Um, you know, so my, my initial thoughts were, you know, how can we reach out to players, get them some sort of structure and plan um, that is clear enough to follow, but still has a, enough flexibility down the line to change it based on, you know, whatever, whatever their individual situation was, um, you know, and in those initial few days or, or first week, it really was just about finding out, okay, 
or do you have equipment? Uh, what access to, at the time, gyms weren't closed, so do you have any access to gyms? Um, you know, what's your access to outdoor space like? Because obviously you've got some some players and athletes that live, you know, in, in a fairly uh, rural area and you've got other ones that live, you know, in cities, in flats, in houses. It, it just really was an individual process of fact-finding. Um, and again, until you understand that start point, you can't really plan any journey or start to set any any end goals. So um, that was what initially happened. So, you know, a little bit of general stuff getting out there and, and getting the guys going with some home-based training, but then also, yeah, trying to adapt it based on each individual's, you know, needs and circumstances, really. Um, yeah, a lot of phone conversations, a lot of FaceTimes and WhatsApps and send me pictures of your equipment, but, you know, all that kind of stuff. So it was pretty uh, pretty chaotic. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I was in a very similar sort of situation, I guess. Like, I had to pretty much move everything online from, I guess, like the work I do with the boys at Wasp anyway. Um, so, yeah, it's a little bit of a panic uh, situation. But, you know, it's, um, like I said, just a lot of phone calls, got everything sorted and, yeah, get the boys up and running. So when we're yeah. thinking of, um, I guess, like the physical development or maintenance of, you know, um, athleticism and stuff, what are the key things or what do you say the main components of fitness that perhaps drop off first and we need to perhaps prioritize a little bit more, um, especially for say rugby players? Yeah. Well, if you look at, if you look at things like rates of decay and how quickly different physical qualities do drop off, you know, luckily one of the ones that players lose out on um, first is kind of speed and power. So, you know, straight away we're, uh, we're in a, a good situation because guys can hopefully get outside and run and sprint and jump and, and do some stuff around speed and power. So that, that for me has been a, a really um, good opportunity for athletes and players. You know, the fact that they can go outside and do plyos and do variations on their jumps and, you know, they can actually do some, some speed drills and some actual sprinting means that at least we can hold on to as much of that physical quality and that athleticism as possible. Um, you know, and then, and then outside of that, it's really player by player, uh, player, by player and, and dependent on, I suppose, what their overall longer-term goals are. And, you know, I think it's important not to lose sight of that just because there's a short-term change. It doesn't mean we've got to panic. We can still look at what our goals were and what we're trying to work towards in three months or six months or 12 months, you know, and try and align some of what we do the best we can with that. Um, you know, it's, it's obvious that if you, ha if you haven't got weights, you know, you're probably going to struggle to develop, say, max strength. Um, you know, if you haven't got certain bits of equipment, there might be some limitations, but that's where I think you have just got to be inventive or, or maybe look at um, a few other things that you can chase during that period of time and you, and you can start to try and go for from a, from a goals perspective. Um, and that's, that's ultimately what should then define your schedule and your, your program content more than anything else. Um, and, and again, that's going to be based on each individual, their needs and their situations. Yeah, that's very cool. I guess it's um, so real key looking at what components of fitness or DK first, like I said, the speed power side of stuff. And then would you say then just use that as almost a, um, like a foundation and then build on top the sort of more yeah. personalized stuff that's specific to their long-term goal and everything? Yeah, and, and I think that logically, if you think about the majority of running sports, you know, certainly at the elite level, you know, we know that players need to be able to be on feet for probably four to five days a week. We know that players need to cover a certain amount of distance and some of that distance might be walking, jogging or running. So you can start to construct, you know, a fairly decent program of work that's well planned and well structured to, to tick some of that off. Um, you know, and, and that is literally the on feet running load and, and walking load and like I said, everything else. So majority of players, um, you know, can work towards that. Uh, and, and that would be the same across majority of team-based, running-based intermittent sports. So that was really great. Um, I just think that the challenge has really been that, you know, we now don't have gyms. We can't potentially load movements. They've got any ongoing rehab or um, things like that. We've got to maybe become a little bit more inventive. Um, but I still think just being able to maintain that, you know, that fitness base and, and that capacity to do work, um, especially the running-based work, has been something that, you know, it's been fairly easy to schedule in and program in, really. Yeah, totally. Um, so would I be right in saying then, perhaps the, shall we say, now in this lockdown has been, uh, I think we're sort of week seven as we're recording this, and it probably will most likely be another few weeks, um, yeah. especially when gyms open, everything won't be followed well again. 
would you say that the priority is now perhaps maintaining sort of um, muscle mass and strength? Is that possible whilst they're still training at home? Can they do certain things to try and maximize the training stimulus with minimal sort of equipment or minimal load? Or Yeah, they definitely can. I think, look, across the board, even if you've got no equipment, hopefully, you know, even if it's two to three times a week trying to get some full... Um, full body body weight sessions done where you hit some key movements and you know you're loaded with what you can you know whether that be a backpack filled with cans or whatever um you know i know i've seen so many uh inventive and um and you know really unique creative methods of of trying to load movements you know i'm quite fortunate i'm in a situation where you know probably 60 60 or 70 percent of the guys that i'm programming for have um, some equipment, some have quite a bit of equipment, others might have, you know, adjustable dumbbell sets, but like I said, we're, we're able to kind of keep at least a base level of strength endurance and, and hopefully in turn, if their diet, you know, is good enough, they'll maintain the majority of their muscle mass and, and not put too much fat mass on. But, um, you know, I, I think, yeah, trying to ramp that up and, and like I said, just trying to make sure that in the lead up to coming back to your, you know, your sporting environment, you've got a little bit more structure and specificity around the key areas from a load perspective, whether that be running load, jumping load, you know, accelerating and decelerating, you know, multi-directional agility, you know, you're actually starting to try and bridge that gap between um, general training to, to being back towards kind of your sport, so to speak. Um, you know, and obviously, you know, uh, even yesterday with kind of what Boris said about going out and practicing some sport, you know, hopefully there's a bit more opportunity there to go and kick a football around or, or maybe swing a tennis racket or whatever it is that you do. Um, so, yeah, I think that that stuff can certainly progress over the next month or so. Yeah, absolutely. So it would be a case of during the sort of initial sort of phase of lockdown, it would be a case of um, perhaps I've, obviously you can have some structure there, but perhaps a little bit more sort of general sort of fitness-based stuff. Uh, a little bit more sort of enjoyability and flexibility with the approach. And then when you're coming back into sort of sports or return to sports, you really have to specify certain movements and things you really got to look at. Um, that's going to almost replicate the demand of the sport itself. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's like probably any preparation period, you know, you go from, or typically you go from something that's quite general with a little bit of specific to something that's a, a little bit more 50-50 between general and specific. And then something that might be, you know, 70% specific and 30% general. And I, and I think that, um, yeah, just following that, that type of progression will hopefully set yourself up for, for success when you get back into your kind of sporting environment and your, and your sports specific training. Um, and like I said, that, that's going to look different depending on, you know, each player and each sport. But, um, you know, certainly from, from my perspective, thinking about it from a rugby context, you know, we're thinking about things like running loads, you know, we're thinking about exposures to speed, acceleration, deceleration, change of direction, um, you know, and like I said, trying to get the boys out with a, a ball in their hands, practicing some of their skill stuff where they can as well. Um, you know, specific positions, movements that they might need to get into, um, whether that be around tackling or, um, you know, ground-based work at, at the breakdown. So, you know, there's loads of different options and that's where I think the athlete taking a bit of ownership and, like I said, just sitting down and spending some time, okay, well, what are the things I can do? You know, what are the things that I can do that I can control? Um, you know, and then it's a case of saying, well, what's logical in regards to how much I can do? You know, and not starting at the ceiling, but, you know, progressing towards, you know, towards the ceiling over, over a, case of, uh, a course of three or four weeks. Yeah, absolutely. One thing I've sort of noticed over the last few weeks is athletes almost doing, or it appears like they're doing too much. Because they have nothing else really to do. They get up to do the running session. They might do then, you know, a bodyweight session. Then, you know, there's a Facebook live, a Zoom sort of session on yoga. And then yeah. they're doing something else, even like tagged in like a 5K run and stuff like that. And because yeah. essentially they have nothing else to do, they're doing that seven days a week. I'm like seven weeks into this. And a few of them now are like, wow, I'm actually quite burnt out. I'm quite tired, but I'm yeah. not really doing much. It's like, you're actually doing quite a lot. And, you know, you yeah. like to go off for that one hour a day. So you're doing maybe... You know, upwards of like 10,000 steps a day as well. And the accumulation of that training load is, is pretty massive. Um, no, it, it is. And it's also, it's different, right, to probably what they've been used to and what the bulk of their training load usually looks like. So you're going to get, you know, a slightly different response to it. Um, you know, and it's like anything, it, it takes a period of time to adjust if you're, if you're adjusting what you do. So, um, you know, I, I, I completely agree with you. You know, you've got, 
so many options online and Instagram workouts and all these different, um, you know, all these different formats. But I think ultimately, again, sitting down and, and trying to have some structure and, and some consistency, um, you know, and defining, okay, what, what are my key goals for this four week period or six week period or each week, what do I want to tick off and, and trying to have some structure around it. Um, I think it's pretty important if you can, not, not a more is better kind of attitude in a way. <laughs> yeah totally for sure i think the last thing you want them to do is actually come back into full training and they're just burnt out and you know they're almost in like a mini pre-season and and so on then yeah, um, yeah or, 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 or alternatively you know they've invested a lot of time training but not necessarily in areas that that are applicable to to where they're at from a development performance point of view or, or stuff that isn't necessarily transferable to what they've got to go and do after you know, like I said, it, it's okay probably in that first four to six weeks, things being relatively general. But certainly now when we think about sport, maybe coming back in, you know, late June, July time, um, if that happens, you know, we've probably got a window now of four to six weeks to, to try and really get ready for that, um, you know, which changes things pretty dramatically. So uh, no more bicep, tricep, supersets uh, for return yeah. to sport. <laughs> Always, mate, there's always time for that, so don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> that's good to hear. That's good to hear. I guess I sort of returning to sport. Like, was the main um, thing you have in your mind is a case of them being able to manage the training loads whilst they're back into full sport and full training, or is it a case of minimising injury risk? Like, what do you say is the main thing we need to focus on uh, for that moment in time? Yeah, I think it is just the progression of training load, which you know, in, in turn, should create some robustness and, and decrease their injury risk. You know, I think it's, uh, again, you know, I work well when I've got kind of an end point to think about. So if we kind of understand where we want to get a group in four or six weeks, you know, we can kind of roadmap the journey to get there and, you know, apply some logical and, um, and kind of well-researched progressions. Um, but at the same time, you know, that's going to differ player by player and, and how they act actually enter and, and also what their priorities are as a player you know I do think for me getting back um, on top of some of our key development areas you know working predominantly with academy athletes you know I, I do want to try and target that and get back into um, into that development mode and, and make sure that we're working on the things that long term are going to get get them into the first team or get them impacting high level games of rugby so you know there's a bit of balance between what they need to do right now and, and getting back onto the plan that gets them um you know, get someone on the right course for the long term. Yeah, yeah, totally. Just because the environment or the situation has changed, it doesn't necessarily mean that your long-term goal has to change. So everything should Definitely. relatively be in the same sort of uh, line and in the same vein as that. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I've got guys, probably, you know, six or seven players, um, you know, that are very fortunate enough to have pretty much, you know, full gyms or, or, or what we consider to be a, a pretty full basic gym where they've got, decent dumbbell set, you know, a rack, a bar and, and weights. And, you know, they've been able to still plug through some pretty, um, some pretty good content over this period of time. And, you know, they're obviously in a really fortunate position. But again, like the plan that we had or the 12 month or two year plan that we had before all of this kicked off, it, it doesn't necessarily change. It just means how it's applied and, and this window of opportunity that we have is just slightly different. Um, and that that's the same for every player. And, and I think, um, you know, I'm sure that there'll be a lot of uh, conversations going back into professional environments or, you know, team sport environments around what the expectations should be on where a player's at. And, and maybe it's going to take a bit, bit longer to get them where they need to get to based on the fact that they've had a pretty restricted period of time. But that's the nature of uh, this very unique um, situation, really. Yeah, totally. Like, 100%. Like, I know... Um... Like I'm at work just through conversations with yourself and when you saw where say Sri Lanka cricket and so on, you're on the roads quite a lot traveling and you almost had to have like a portable S and C setup. I've seen like sort of pictures yeah. of squat racks on balconies and everything like yeah. that. Um, so the question is like, how can athletes now train with perhaps minimal equipment or perhaps with, you know, like a different sort of training setting and so on? Is this all key things that they could focus on to try and still progress in this period in terms of perhaps exercise selection with the equipment that they have available? Yeah, and, and I think, look, it, it goes back to the, the basic things around, you know, components of fitness and, um, and, you know, some of those programming variables that we can manipulate. So, for example, you know, we can still add intensity into a session by maybe using 
things like plyometrics, like I mentioned earlier, or, or, you know, some reactive jumps or, you know, some more power-based movements that require maybe just minimal kit or, or just body weight. So, you know, we can, we can tick that intensity box, you know, we can play around with volume and density by using body weight and, um, and, you know, trying to increase the amount of reps we do in a short period of time, that's still going to give us a fairly big um, capacity and, and potential like um, hypertrophy hit. So, you know, there's things we can do within the constraints um, that we've got, you know, using things like if you've got light weights, use things like tempos and pauses just to get more time with the tension. It's not always necessarily about more weight. Um, and, and again, that's probably a pretty diff different stimulus to what you might get in a normal, regular kind of gym program. So, all of a sudden, you know, new stimulus equals new opportunity equals potentially new growth. And, um, you know, you get, there's all those little things that you can start to implement. Um, but yeah, sitting down and working out, okay, what can I do from an intensity perspective? You know, for the majority of people, that's probably going to be um, sprint, jump, throw things, um, which require not too much equipment. Um, you know, and then what can I do from more of a work capacity, hypertrophy perspective um which probably is going to be you know manipulating things like density volume tempos time under tension um just with body weight movements so there are options there you've just got to be clever with how you program it really um i think one of the really challenging areas obviously max strength is always um something where people think about three rms or one rms or heavy loads you know I think the majority of athletes really to get a max strength stimulus at the moment only really have isometrics as an option. Isometrics being, you know, static exercise where you can create an, iso uh, an isometric contraction. So there's no movement involved, but the effort level is, is really high. So, you know, there's some cool stuff you can do with um, towels and, you know, against walls or against benches, against chairs, where you can potentially create that type of stimulus. And I, I know for some of my lads that, haven't had the luxury of, um, of much equipment. I've, I've used some of that stuff quite a bit and um, just to hold on to as much, yeah, max strength as possible, really. Yeah, for sure. Like I've definitely been using um, isometric holes in my own training and doing like sort of towel deadlifts or partial deadlifts, so we say, and it's tough, like real tough. Um, you'd be surprised how much yeah. it like actually is effective, should we say. Yeah, absolutely. And, and even if you're not going at a you know, complete max effort 100% and you're still pushing at you know, 80% for three to five second um, reps and, and you know, accumulating a, a good amount of sets across, across a couple of different um, exercises, you're still going to get a, a really good strength stimulus from that because you know, the majority of our strength stimulus is, is coming from a neural perspective. So you know, your ability to actually recruit and, um, and, and produce force through those neural pathways. So yeah, I think they're definitely all options. Um, and, I, and I think one of the missing options or, or kind of opportunities is just moving really well. Like I think a lot of people get really worried about moving load and getting strong, but never really focusing on, you know, just moving well and coordinating your, your body well, whether that be squats and lunges and jumping and landing. But it's a great opportunity to really say, you know what, I haven't got loads of weight at the moment but I'm going to really perfect my movement and become more efficient and more economical when it comes to some of the, yeah, the key movements that I have to do day in and day out. Yeah, absolutely love that. Like I said, it's, um, yeah, just absolutely key opportunity to progress with this now. And I know yeah. from, you know, all you have to do is walk into an average gym and you see lads just, well, lads are most guilty, I guess, of just like putting weight and weight on and they're sacrificing form. Um, yeah. So, you know, now obviously they train at their own, uh, on their own and there's literally no ego nobody observing them they can strip everything back do everything properly yeah. and then when they're in the right environment right conditions being supervised by a coach they can start adding more weight and hopefully get a nice sort of novel training stimulus out of that and like i said more more growth more potential to grow yeah i mean i had um for the start of for the first three or four weeks of, of lockdown i pretty much just had kind of a couple of different strength bands. I had an adjustable dumbbell that went up to about 20, 25 kilos. Um, and then I had a, a 16 kilo kettlebell as well. And, um, you know, I'm someone that, you know, historically has been pretty into strength training and done a little bit of powerlifting and things like that. And, you know, just using tempos and pauses and, and loading, say, unilaterally as opposed to with both arms. Like, you know, I was just, I was finding some things really, really challenging. Um, you know, so again, if you're inventive and, and you do things well with good movement and good control, you, you know, you can definitely 
challenge yourself massively um, yeah. rather than just focusing on yeah weight and uh, and like you said just piling on loads of weight onto onto main movements and main lifts really yeah for sure it almost just um being very aware of what tools you have available and you know what they can offer so you know yeah. people just think like oh i can't work so low body strength so i'm just not going to do anything where like you said yeah. you can actually do isometrics to maintain some of that so just being yeah. aware of what you can do is ultimately a massive thing and i think that comes back down to the point of making sure our athletes are self-sufficient and they have autonomy and we can only do that through education and then teach them about these things yeah absolutely and look some obviously some athletes are going to have the luxury of you know physios and sncs to to reach out to and, and get information from and that's brilliant but you know this is where i think maybe that next tier down of athletes that are maybe in and out in and out of semi-professional teams or maybe at university and they're not linked to a professional organization um you know you need to be one of your best coaches yourself um you know and just trying to listen to things and read things and, and, you know, and challenge your own knowledge is, uh, is pretty fundamental and hopefully will, will stand you in good stead medium to long term when you, you know, you have to drive your own development really. Um, you know, not everyone has that luxury of an SSC coach that's going to be pestering them twice a week on WhatsApp and sending them screenshots and, and articles that they should read related to different ways to load and isometrics and all this stuff. So, you know, you need to be pretty self-driven as well. And, and I think that that's a good thing because it teaches athletes a lot of discipline and, um, you know, gives them some positive accountability on, yeah, grasping their own development, really. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, 100%. Um, when you're sort of looking at, well, I'd just say like with the boys who are working at the moment, what have been like the main challenges they've sort of faced during lockdown? Not necessarily the training side of it, but motivation, have some athletes yeah. like perhaps bury their heads in the sand, so they have good days, bad days, have they sort of uh, been managing everything? I think it's, it's a range of things, right? You know, I, for context, I predominantly work with our senior academy group and they're, you know, players from about 18 years old to, to 22 years old with differing backgrounds, life experiences, educational levels, home situations, you know, so there's a lot of different, um, I suppose there's a lot of different challenges that are facing during this period of time. And for a lot of us, athletes and, and just general population, you know, we wouldn't have had such a sustained period of kind of inactivity or lack of structure. So certainly for my lads, I think just that lack of structure piece, you know, they're probably used to getting up, going to school, training in their lunch, training rugby in the evenings, going to club training once or twice a week or coming into the club, um, playing at weekends, whatever it might be, you know, all of a sudden you've got, you know, 16, um, 16 waking hours a day to fill with, with being somewhat productive. So I think that's probably been the biggest challenge is just keeping them, keeping them on track with trying to find things that keep them mentally stimulated and productive and, um, you know, and actually adding value to their, their kind of medium to long-term development. Um, you know, and obviously there's a massive mental health piece to this where it is super challenging for everyone to be in isolation. You know, you're not getting to see your friends and family as much. And, you know, I think it does put a lot of things into perspective in terms of, you know, what we, what we need to invest time in and value and, um, you know, certainly training and development and performance is part of that, but just, spending time with friend, friends and family and having quality time to, to do things that maybe usually you take for granted is always, um, I think it's really opened that up to people during, during this period of time. Um, you know, I've tried to speak to my guys as much as I can around, you know, what are the other things that you're up to outside of just, you know, the gym sessions I'm setting you and the running sessions to, you know, to positively move things forward, you know, whether that be stuff to do with their education, um, whether that be, you know, reading into an area that they're interested in, um, whether it's, you know, hopefully not to spend six to eight hours a day on Call of Duty, but um, yeah, it, it just differs, doesn't it? Um, you know, but it has been a real challenge, that structure and, and all of a sudden having all that free time to try and fill with, with productive stuff. Yeah, totally, for sure. I really like that in terms of the education stuff outside of training, almost to have, yeah. not necessarily to have like a life outside of rugby, but just have something you can sort of, um, almost have like a little bit of a disconnect if you need to and just learn about something else, whether it's like learning to play the guitar, you know, whatever, just something there, like a hobby. So you're not always fully immersed into the rugby life or the athlete life. And I mean, not to, not to just jump on the nutrition bandwagon, you know, what an opportunity for athletes to actually 
learn how to food prep and, and cook and you know I, I certainly you know, I know we've been whatsapping during this period of time and catching up and you know for me it's it's really really connected me with being in the kitchen and actually cooking three to four meals a day for myself and um investing time in you know re-educating myself around what that looks like and what good nutrition looks like for me and um you know i know that loads of you've been doing some work with, with our lads on um friday night cook-alongs and stuff like that which has been brilliant but you know there are opportunities if you're motivated for the right reasons and you uh and, and you want to develop there's certainly opportunities to do lots of different things that can help from a performance perspective um yeah that that's been something that i've been speaking to quite a few of my uh my players that have huge kind of nutritional goals and targets to be hitting um just reminding them of that and, and trying to get them a little bit more excited about yeah food and nutrition and food prep and, and cooking really yeah absolutely get people uh, excited about all the boring things but that are ultimately going to lead to very massive results um absolutely. yeah for sure like one thing i've seen like especially when sort of uh, lockdown sort of kicked off a lot of people kind of buried their heads in the sand because uh, they had no structure they had no sort of end goal no urgency for competition and stuff like that and right. because of that they were fed up they're stressed frustrated and they were just eating literally everything in sight uh, to almost like satisfy that that need to like have a calm effect on the body and yeah. like you're saying then if you focus on something outside of rugby or something in addition or something it just gives you structure to your day and if you've got more structure you've got more clarity with what you're doing you're a little bit more motivated you have momentum and that kind of you know just um really you know just really sort of complements the other side of the training i think they definitely go hand in hand when you have a nice balance between the two yeah, no, absolutely. And, you know, I think it's important, yeah, with that structure to have, um, you know, have to have some actual clear targets for each day or each week. And, you know, hopefully you can share those targets with other people and, and maintain some motivation. You know, I know one of the things that um, we've been trying to do as much as much as we can is, you know, share videos and then video of the day will go on our WhatsApp group. You know, that can be to do with training, that can to do, be to do with cooking or you know, learning a new skill or whatever, it isn't just kind of rugby and, and SNC related. It's it's kind of pretty open and broad. And, um, you know, just trying to keep things going with that has, has been, you know, I think it's been really rewarding and, and, and this helped the lads. Um, but at the same time, it's difficult for all of us to stay super motivated with it. That's the reality. And, um, you know, you just got to try and find ways, like I said, whether it be structure or learning new things or, you know, trying to hit certain goals just to stay as motivated as we can during this period of time because there there obviously will be a light at the end of this tunnel and you know hopefully things will go back to normal yeah 100 percent. yeah massively when we're looking at sort of structure especially with our, with your training throughout the training week um how do you suggest for i guess players and athletes in general to structure their week of training like say for example they've been furloughed at home all the time and you know they have 168 hours in the week to do something with the training like how do you perhaps look at um advising their structure well I, I think first and foremost just just having a general calendar that you kind of have a little bit of um content in you know so all of our players you know have what we, what we call an individualized calendar which structures the week and that's something that i've tried to work with them on as much as possible so it's not my you know, it's not my calendar or, or my thoughts. You know, I've got an idea of what I'd like them to get done across the course of the week, but, you know, it's certainly flexible in terms of, you know, when we put things and, you know, we're not worrying about games and competition at the moment. So, you know, any form or model of of, uh, of weekly periodization is pretty open at the moment. As long as it gets done, I'm pretty happy with whatever it looks like uh, within reason. Um, so, you know, the majority of our lads will, will do two speed sessions and, and two more, kind of aerobic based sessions a week and usually that speed on a Monday kind of more aerobic on Tuesday and then repeat that Thursday Friday or Friday Saturday if they need a little bit longer off in between um you know and, and either before or after that we, we try and fit in whatever strength content they can so for some guys with um you know with a fair amount of physical development to go from a strength perspective we're still doing two lower body and two upper body sessions a week um as long as they've got kit that allows them to do good quality sessions for those that don't have um, much equipment they're typically doing more body weight based sessions and, and they rotate between um, a more upper, dom upper body dominant day lower body dominant and a full body day 
um, that was just a model that seemed to work quite well and give the players you know enough content to get their their teeth sunk into, but not wasn't too monotonous and wasn't too over the top. Um, and again, like it really is just working with each individual and saying, okay, well, what can we do? You know, and refining it a little bit. There's there's certainly no perfect plan, but you know, I think um, I think the perfect plan is the one that can be done consistently well and. Um, you know, and hopefully still works towards some of those longer term goals that we were talking about, um, you know, or again, setting some short term goals, which will help underpin those longer term goals. So that, that's, that's really what it looks like for the majority of my academy lads. Um, yeah, we've got a couple of other guys that have had a pretty high workload leading into this lockdown period. So, you know, they might actually be on a, a bit of a extended deload and almost like it is an off-season for them and they might only be doing two to three, you know, on-feet-based sessions a week and, you know, two to three strength sessions or, or we might change it week by week. Um, it just depends, really. Um, around that, I just think generally guys staying active on those off days, going for walks, you know, taking their phone roller with them in a the backpack and sitting down for 15 minutes and getting some soft tissue work done in, in a park or whatever it might be. You know, I've tried to promote as much of that as possible because you can go pretty stir crazy sitting in the same bedroom or the same house for, you know, 10 to 12 hours a day. So, um, yeah, just just trying to stay as active as possible, really. And and like you said earlier, using the the early lockdown period of time to add a bit of variety and some stuff they enjoy. You know, we had guys that wanted to do a bit more cycling and things like that. You know, they had mountain bikes or they had road bikes and you know, certainly working with them to, to say, okay, well, let's get some of your aerobic conditioning done on that. Like, you don't need to just play through kilometres of running or whatever it might be. So, you know, th there's a lot of flexibility there. But again, trying to set some structure and some targets for each chunk of time is, is still important. Yeah, totally. I really like the fact that, um, you know, you're just, you know, um, sort of treating everybody in like the one-to-one -one sort of um, level. And a case of, you know, if someone is coming into this lockdown, very sort of, should we say, overreached and really overdo some recovery because of like competition play and everything like that, just the demands um, yeah. of games back to back, week in, week out, you know, they can use this time now to just actually recover and recuperate and then yeah. start building back up. So sometimes it's a blessing in disguise for them, especially if boys have got niggling injuries and stuff like that. It's actually just, you know, extends this sort of, um, you know, recovery time, which is quite nice for them to be fair. So, yeah. Yeah, I'm oh, sorry. Um, so one of the questions they have when we look at uh, week to week progression, how much do you tend to increase either the intensity or the volume or workload uh, on a weekly basis? Yeah, I, I mean, again, I, I try not to increase too many variables at once. So, you know, typically if we're going to increase an aspect or, you know, a, a session or a couple of sessions from an intensity perspective, I'd probably keep the volume relatively the same. Um, you know, but obviously that, that variable of intensity will be going up. Um, so I tend to flip between an intensity progression one week followed by a volume progression the next week if we're trying to increase overall volume. Um, whereas typically, you know, you might keep the volume pretty consistent but start to ramp up some of the intensity so it's a little bit more um, transferable to, to, you know, high intensity training or games. Um, you know, another general rule of thumb is I, I try not to add, a, add more than 20% stress or 20% load week by week um, just to avoid you know any big changes so that that's really across the majority of the program whether that be um, you know strength load from a sets reps and weight point of view or, or just general volume if they're doing more of the body weight program or whether that's a you know kilometers run per week you know I'm not probably going to take someone from 12 kilometers to 16 or 17 across one week to the next that's probably too big a jump so you know, I try and stick around that 20% that mark um, if I'm looking at increasing volume. Um, but again, just, just logical progressions. I think when you sit and actually write it out, you know, and, and you look at it, someone isn't going to react well if all they've been doing is, you know, two running sessions a week and two lifting and they go to four or five running sessions and, you know, four or five lifting, you know, you, you're probably not going to enjoy that. It's probably going to be pretty tough. <laughs> um, you know, so... It, it's again just just taking those logical steps with with planning and, and and just trying to stick to a few things yeah for sure and i guess like when you look at perhaps um minimizing injury risk and stuff like that having huge jumps week on week probably isn't going to be overly sort of beneficial and i guess like you said like the enjoyable the, the enjoyability aspect of it long-term progression the sustainability of the program as well is going to be a massive thing yeah. and, and i think for any athletes 
you know, especially team-based sport, uh, team sport-based athletes, again, football, hockey, rugby, whatever it might be, that know they're going to go back into a, um, a higher running load or potentially a higher running load. You know, I, I'll just work backwards and, and think about, okay, well, if I train two to three times a week and I've got a game, what does that roughly probably look like in a, in a, you know, from a running perspective, from a volume perspective? And I just start to um, trace that back. And, you know, and, and if you actually go across a four-week progression of, you know, say week one is I'm going to try and do 50% of what I typically need to do, you know, then I'm going to increase it to 65 or 70% and then I'm going to increase it to 80% and then 90%. Well, in actual fact, that, that might be that might be a good way to go. I know that's pretty um, generic and, and a pretty crude way to do it, but, you know, we're all lacking the options of things like GPS and tracking and, you know, it is going to be a pretty crude period of time for this stuff. It's not going to be perfect, um, but at least you have something to uh, to work within, really. Yeah, 100%. And I guess uh, one of the key things there is like just trying to keep things as simple as possible and perhaps not overcomplicate yeah. the process. Yeah, mate, I'm a big one for let's make things as simple as they can be. Like, you know, I, I think especially when a lot of this is player-led and self-led, you know, if it's complicated, it's probably not going to be understood and, and things that aren't understood don't usually get done. Um, you know, so first and foremost, let's make it super simple, um, you know, and again, work with the player. If they've got a football pitch that they can use that's down the road from them, well, base all their, se their sessions based on the football pitch's dimensions. Like, well, why not do that? That's not a big deal. You know, if it means that they go and they understand it and they do a session that, you know, it, it, it ticks some boxes from a physical perspective, from a low perspective, that's brilliant. Um, you know, I, I think that that's where we can sometimes fall in the trap, in the trap of trying to make things perfect, but you know, actually the perfect plan never actually gets, gets done. So, um, and I'm a big believer in that there is no such thing as a, a perfect plan because you're always having to adapt and change things anyway. Um, you know, whether you wake up with a slightly sore calf and you don't fancy doing that speed session today, or maybe it's not the wisest decision, or you know, actually you feel great, so you want to do a little bit more. Like, you know, there's always wiggle room of everything, and there's always ways to adapt and change, and you just got to then reflect and make adjustments. Like, that's ultimately what life is and sport is, in my opinion. Um, so that it's a constant, it's a constant um, journey of just yeah, adapting and, and trying to make the best of different situations. Yeah, 100%. I think when we look at everything that athlete has to focus on, especially like rugby players, they obviously got all the S&C side of it. They perhaps need to look at the psychological side, the nutrition side of it. Then also you've got yeah. the massive thing of the technical, technical. They've actually got to be good at their sport. And if every single area is trying to overcomplicate it, like, man, they're just not going to be able to sort of absorb everything and actually take it all in, you know? Mate, absolutely. And I've fallen into that trap in the past with different organisations that I've been in is, you know, we've got data, we've got information, we're trying to keep a number of different stakeholders happy. And, um, you know, and before you know it, you know, you, you can't see the wood for the trees and you're just kind of blinded by all this information. And in actual fact, probably the number one question is, you know, what do we need to do? Or what are the few key things we need to do to actually get better in this moment in time or for this three month period or one month period? And, and how do we all contribute towards that as a team, as an individual athlete, you know, as a group and, you know, I think trying to trying to keep things as performance related as possible is obviously really important. And again, align things with with the medium to long term goals of of what you're trying to achieve in your sport and, and for yourself, really, um, as as the athlete. So, yeah, I, I, it's fine having all that complexity, but usually athletes, in my opinion and, and my experience, you know, they they just simply want to know, you know what I'm trying to get better at, or they want to drive themselves. What do I think I need to get better at? And then how do I do that? You know, what's, what's, what do I need to commit to or, or be consistent with to actually get those types of changes or outcomes or that progress um, and just make it simple. Yeah. Like if they understand it and they buy into it, they'll probably do it. So, um, and some guys, you know, and some athletes will want more um, data and information and that's where you can give them it. But yeah, simplicity is a, uh, it's a pretty important thing to try and get right in my opinion yeah absolutely like and i think when we come back to this whole sort of thing of like autonomy again that you know if we want our athletes and you know implement everything on their own sort of devices then yeah we've got to keep things simple and i'm very big believe of like you know trying to have it like player-led 
So, you know, I would just ask them the relevant sort of questions to build their own sort of nutrition plan. And then I'll just guide that then so it's, you know, in line with the principles and what we want to actually achieve. And, you know, if you try yeah. to overcomplicate that model, then, you know, they're probably just going to like, just kind of nod their head and smile and not do anything. Where, you know, yeah. if you try and keep it simple, then they understand it and they're, you know, they're part of the process. I think it's also a lot easier to add a bit more complexity on top of something that's simple rather than try and simplify something that's complex. So if you start with simple, you can kind of see how someone reacts to it and then layer in maybe the, a few key things that are maybe a little bit more complex or a little bit more in depth and explain it well and, and hopefully you get a good outcome. But if you start with complex, you've lost, you've lost, you've lost that battle kind of thing and uh, people just get confused and then they become, um, you know, they become quite put off by maybe a situation or, or feel uneasy. And that's the last thing you want. Like you, you want, you want to have some good quality, positive conversations rather than, you know, confusion. And, and that's what I've done with some of the lads, for instance, like with the run-in sessions, I've just often used time as a target. So, you know, say we're doing more of an aerobic based session or, you know, extensive aerobic intervals. We might be running for two minutes at a time and walking for two minutes. Now that's super simple. I know the majority of my lads are probably going to cover, you know, 400 to 500 meters in that two minute block. And that's fine. Like I got a good idea of how many Ks they're going to cover in that session. Um, quite a few of them are like, how far should I be running? And I'm like, well, um, you know, this is roughly what I'm looking at. And they're like, oh, shall I use the Under Armour Run app or shall I use Strava or, you know, so then all of a sudden, oh yeah, you can use that. Yeah, like, but I wouldn't start with that because it probably just confused half of them. So it's then working with each individual to, you know, to, to assess how, what, what's their scope for me adding a little bit more specificity and monitoring this and complexity. And some guys aren't going to want that and that's absolutely fine as long as stuff's getting done and they buy in. And other guys, you know, they love that. So um, it really is one of those things where you've got to make your strategies fit the player and, um, and start simple before you go complex for sure. Yeah, 100%. That's very cool. I absolutely love that in terms of starting simple and then just adding in layers as, you know, as they want it, essentially. That's very, very cool. So I guess then sort of to sort of like uh, sort of conclude today, um, for like I always ask uh, everybody this question, I just love to hear the responses from you. So for an athlete to go from average to elite, so I guess like in the context of rugby, it'd be, you know, school level or way up to like uh, first team or international sort of level. Um, what do you say the three key things for them to focus on are from an S&C perspective? Now, this doesn't necessarily have to be lockdown and COVID specific. It could just be in general from all like your experience in pro sports. Yeah, so I think... The first one is probably a little bit around mindset. Um, and, and what I mean by that is, for, for me, you know, you get better by deciding that you're, you're going to put everything into getting better. Um, you know, so you take rugby for your example, like there's a few key elements within a rugby program that you're going to need to put effort into. And, um, you know, effort is something, attitude and effort is absolutely controllable by the athlete. So a mindset towards the right attitude and, and the right amount of effort for me is absolutely fundamental. You know, whether that be in strength sessions in the, in the gym, whether that be your prep around your sessions, whether that be review meetings, um, obviously all of your on-field work, your skill development, your technical tactical. For me, you're never gonna, you're never gonna get to where you could get to. And hopefully for guys with loads of talent, that is elite, that is professional. Um, unless you have the right mindset and, and you can control attitude and effort. So that would be the number, the number one for me is attitude and effort. Um, the second one would be like world-class basics. Um, you know, and what I mean by that is across the board, um, if we identify a few key things, um, again, within the program, and it might be your physical development, your rugby development, and then some of the accessory stuff around maybe nutrition and psychology, you know, are you actually committing to that and doing the basic things in each of those areas extremely well? Because, you know, if you don't do that, I think you're really struggling to maximize your potential. Um, you know, and often you might get the odd player that can get away with that and not have the basic things done exceptionally well. But, um, you know, I think there's a, there's, a lot, there's a lot more players that have to invest in that that, that really reap the benefits of committing to world-class basics. Um, 
you know, and then probably the, the, the last one that I would say um, is, is really around kind of maximizing your super strengths as a player. So once you've identified what you are really good at, never let go of that and, and make that focal point of, of how you're going to go about your day to day and, and how you're going to impact training sessions, how you're going to develop yourself physically, because ultimately, you know, your one weapon will be the thing that allows you to kill your opponents, you know, or your one or two weapons will be the key things that allow you to kill your opponents off. And, you know, for one guy that might be, um, you know, their ability to, to, to ball carry and, and they'll have loads of momentum and they're just fantastic at creating um, opportunities to carry um, and, and, and gain meters. For other guys that might be to do with their out and out speed, you know, their just acceleration and their top speed is fantastic. Um, you know, for other guys, it's going to be maybe work ethic and mindset. You know, they're just willing to do all of the rubbish stuff that no one else really wants to do, but it means that they're always there at the right moment to make good decisions and help the team and whatever it is. But once you've identified that yourself and with the coaches, you know, I, I, I'd definitely be pushing hard for that to be a focal point of, um, of your game and, and what makes you yeah, indispensable and valuable to the team. It's probably those three things, really. So attitude and effort, which is linked with mindset, world-class basics, and yeah, maximize your super strengths. I absolutely love that. That's very, very cool. <laughs> no, that's really cool. I like it. Um, yeah, so Mike, thank you very much for today. I think everybody will take absolutely tons of information from that and hopefully can go away and uh, apply a lot of the conversation um, into their own training. So no, um, huge thank you. No, my absolute pleasure. I love uh I love talking training and, and anything to do with uh, performance. So no, absolute pleasure. Awesome. Very cool. So for people to um, get, perhaps get to know you better and follow you, are you on social media and are you on Twitter? I, mate, I am on Twitter. I've, I've absolutely just rejected the Instagram lure for like 10 years now or whatever it's been. Um, so I've held on to my, uh, my eight year old Twitter um, and uh, yeah, they can contact me on there. I think my, my Twitter is mtjm89. So, yeah, more than happy for people to follow me or, or kind of fire any questions at me um, over that if they've got it. If not, then unlucky. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Yeah. I'll put uh, I'll put your Twitter handle in the show notes for people to um, find and just a link straight to you. So I'll, I'll, I'm more than I'm joking. I'm more than happy to give give my email. <laughs> Don't worry. <laughs> awesome that's really cool so uh mike once again thank you very much for your time it's been an absolute pleasure to have you on board and uh i will see you after the uh, lockdown has uh, finished